Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Wow. Welcome, everyone. I want to welcome you to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And first off, let me just take a moment to thank all of you. It is such an amazing journey for all of us to come together under this thing we call radio, uh, this vehicle where people get to share their thoughts, their ideas, their connection, their community. And I want to thank all of you out there for the amazing emails you've been sending us about the launch of calltoconnection.com. And we're so thrilled that you have paid it forward and told your friends and become pay-it-forward angels and have been able to spread the word about giving for the sake of giving. And so thank you so much for all that you do. And please go ahead and continue to do this at this point, we have about $30,000 worth of gift and gifts and prizes. There's nothing for you to buy. And all you need to do is sign on and tell your friends and go ahead and receive the abundance that our Pay It Forward Angel partners have created for us. And so it is an amazing day today that I get to within the spirit of love, within the, within the spirit of love, I get to talk with someone that has done so much for the world that we live in today, opening up doors, becoming someone that is open at the top herself and enabling people like me and others to sort of stand on the shoulders of all that she's done. I get to have a conversation tonight and you all as well with this amazing woman that has carved out the most sacred path the path for us to follow. And I'm talking about my very special guest tonight, Lynn Andrews. Now, many of you hear that name and automatically I can feel your energy. You're saying, you've got to be kidding. We're going to have a conversation with Lynn Andrews. Well, yes, of course. And the reason that this is so important is for me to have you all know this amazing New York Times bestselling author of the Medicine Woman series. Beyond all of that, someone that has carved a path out for so many people to follow, explores the ancient teachings taught by the Sisterhood of the Shields. Tonight, you're going to find out what that means, what 21st century shamans are all about. What is it about a sacred circle that can transform an ordinary life into a life of power? And what is it? that all of us can tap into so that we understand the divine amazement that resides within each of us. And so I I am so thrilled to have Lynn join us here tonight. 
And I want to tell all of you out there, fasten your seatbelts because here we go. Lynn, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Pat. I am, am so grateful for your show and everything that you uh, allow us to do on the air. And uh, we have such a wonderful time with you. Plus, you give us a chance to have a voice in the world that sometimes people wouldn't necessarily hear. So I am very, very honored to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you. You know, Lynn, I want to ask you a question that I've been thinking about for a long time. I've asked myself this question. You know, you are a best-selling uh, author, and I have uh, your books, many of them sitting right in front of me. You have led people down the path in such a an extraordinary spiritual experience what are some of the challenges what are some of the obstacles that you've personally had to overcome to bring you to this very moment well <clears throat> gosh it's an interesting question because <laughs> uh it is you know i've been writing uh, my first book medicine woman was published in 1980 and uh from that point on a whole series of things happened but I think probably one of the most uh, devastating for me was the fact that I thought everybody would adore me and love me for uh, for writing the book Medicine Woman and uh, for having discovered these magnificent women that uh, women of power from all over the world and uh, writing about my experiences with them. I thought, my gosh, everybody's going to be so thrilled, and I was so excited. And, you know, <clears throat> I learned about mirrors because people weren't excited for me. My, Even down to my most of my best friends, they were jealous. They were angry with me. They hated the mirror that I held up to them, which was an act of power that implied to them that they weren't doing the same. They weren't creating an act of power for themselves. And... I, that was probably the most jarring thing that happened in the very, very beginning, was that people don't necessarily celebrate your happiness. And uh, that taught me a lot, because I realized the reason that happens, as you, I'm sure, well know, Dr. Pat, that people uh, don't have uh, wonderful feelings about themselves. Right. Therefore, when they see someone else doing something that is successful, they want to pull them down like crabs in a crab trap. Totally. Totally. And, you know, that had to be for you, um, first of all, just incredibly painful at some level, but also such, such a wise experience, such insights. Uh, to be able to have that happen. I know exactly what you're talking about. I ran into the same thing when I started my radio show. Oh, I um, can imagine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you just don't have time for me anymore. You don't love me anymore. I can see <laughs> better things to do. And yeah. on and on. And it's it's a tragic thing to see that in people. And we worked some with some of them. We worked it out and came to a new kind of understanding. But it took a long time. It did. And that really, you know, that, that brings me to a, a question that I wanted to ask you. I mean, you, you, you create circles all over the world. And I know that you have one coming up in May, um, the uh, 23rd annual Joshua Tree Gathering. And it's called the Great Sky of Shields End of Illusion. And I wanted to talk with you a minute 
about illusion and what it means in contemporary terms? Well, I think illusion is, of course, it means many things to many different people. But I think what's happening in the world today is probably 90% of us have been abused in childhood. And that doesn't mean obvious abuse necessarily. But uh, people not being there for you, not supporting you, uh, making you feel less uh, than you than you could be, uh, not feeling proud, all those things that mm-hmm. happen a lot to people as children. It doesn't... And I'm not pointing a finger and saying parents are bad. You know, I'm sure parents, for the most part, do the best that they can do, although some are very terribly abusive. But I think what's happening to the world, look at the religions that are propagating all over the world. Uh, So many of them um, are abusive just in their doctrine. And people grow up in societies that don't appreciate them as the creative, uh, luminous beings that they are. And as a result of that, there's a lot of war, because if you've had abuse in your life and you don't deal with it, you're going to recreate it. And I think that's one of the things that we're dealing with that is so terribly difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? I agree with you. I mean, uh, and one of the things that, uh, you know, uh, that is so key is this idea of rediscovering oneself. And, you know, this is so embedded in, in what you do. Uh, I think it's it's kind of a tricky time for people. And I wanted to ask you about, you know, the journey that women especially are on right now. And whether or not they, um, all of us as women, have the ability to seek out the shaman within. Well, I think we do. In fact, uh, that's what this event is about, Joshua Tree this year, that is being held in outside of Santa Fe at Ghost Ranch, the old stomping grounds of George O'Keefe. Mm-hmm. And it's a magnificent place, and we stay there for for four days and nights, and we work and we present an experience for you uh, that teaches you. I don't think that you truly learn things on a soul level unless you experience them. So uh, I create these events uh, a few times a year so that you can come and experience the beauty uh, that these teachings are, uh, you know, teachings about self-worth. It's a teaching, but how do you get to that place of self-worth? You have to tear away the veils of ignorance or the illusion that surrounds you like a fog most of your life, unless you deal with it, unless mm-hmm. you begin to see who you truly are, what your dreams really are, and P.S. learn how to do dreaming, not nighttime dreams, but being able to dream and go to different levels of consciousness. And uh, why would you want to do that? Because you could say uh, you could visit the Akashic Records, uh, the library of all of life. Uh, There's so many things that you can do. You can go visit the Archangel Michael and so forth and so on. And um, the teachings are about freedom. 
finding your your real freedom if if all of your listeners would just stop for a moment and close their eyes as long as they're not driving of course yes. um, <laughs> they'll feel something holding them there's a holding back i think that a lot of people are feeling today and it's because they don't understand the amped up energy if you excuse the expression that we're feeling we're feeling all of this pressure in a way and we think it's our individual lives we think it's our job we think it's the economy government religion whatever what we don't see is that with the advent of 2012 there are certain portals opening of gateways that you can walk through if you are skilled enough to see them experience them uh portals that bring you to higher levels of awareness for yourself, for your family, for your relationships. We get muddled in in lower consciousness when we are constantly talking about our emotions and what we think about the emotions. We kind of go back and forth east to west on the sacred wheel instead of moving also up to the north in spirit and to the south in manifestation. And I'm covering a lot of ground here because we have such a short time. I know. Yeah. I love it, though. I'm not even going to take any breaks. We're just going to go right through. Um, <laughs> because what you're talking about is so important. We are really, at some level, really stuck in this emotional quagmire uh, that's, that people describe for themselves. They don't really call it that. You know, they describe their lives at certain different levels based on outside circumstances. Um but, you know, when you're talking about that, I'm really struck by that in terms of the medicine wheel, in terms of the four directions. And I would love for you to talk more about what it's going to take for us to make a shift here. Well, what it's going to take is education. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you need, at this point in time, to, uh, you know, sit down with yourself and ask yourself what, what is my relationship with the divine? Oh, well, I'm an atheist. I don't care about God. I don't feel anything about anything that I cannot see and touch and feel. If that, in fact, is your statement, I think you better take a deeper look into your heart and into your soul. Maybe read one of my books, I would suggest. Read Medicine Woman or... Shakai, Woman of the Sacred Garden, any of the books, really, and see if maybe they don't open you up to a new perspective, perhaps. Uh, the, the event uh, called the Sky Shields uh, uh, at the end of May uh, yeah. is about the truth that is spinning throughout the universe for all of time, and you've been a part of so many other lifetimes and experiences, you just probably don't remember them. Um, Building a shield is helping you, and we're going to actually build shields, by the way, because I think that when you form something physically that you can touch and hold and take home with you, you don't forget the experience of, of putting that shield together in a sacred way so that every stitch has a meaning, so that the front of the shield has symbols for different aspects 
of your consciousness as you do meditations. You know, where are my parents in my life at this point? Do they affect, do they affect the right side of my body, my left knee? Where do they live in my body? Somewhere you feel your parents, your mother and your father more deeply than in other places. Then you can go into those areas and see if what is left is pain or maybe it's joy. Um, that's uh, pretty much the outside of the shield. The shield mm-hmm. that you present to people uh, are your beautiful faces, the faces that you've created as, uh, as a personality, as a person of great ability or abilities, whatever that might be for you. So if you were to show someone and not say a word, but they looked at the face of your shield, they'd know something about who you are. And if you were a person who works with a goddess or a person that works with God, the great spirit, um, any of the religions, whatever that might be for you, so that people see you as you really are. And the back of the shield is your secret self. It's the self that you keep for your own private prayers, your own private um, dilemmas, your own private world. And you you have sadnesses and joys and perhaps relationships in your life that um, that you don't particularly want to show just everybody. And that's put on the backside of your shield. And you have all kinds of wonderful things to do to get to that place of wisdom. And it's getting to a place of wisdom, um, getting rid of all the judgments and the that, those aspects of yourself that destroy you in a way. That if you've come out of an abused home, uh, you never had a childhood. So when you grow up, you're going to tend to uh, destroy or sabotage yourself in terms of success because if you're successful it means you're an adult and you you don't really want to be an adult you want to play through your life because you never had a childhood this is if you've come out of abuse and that's a long long training that's one of the things that i do with my school i have a fabulous school pat that is it um uh it's a school of Consciousness, a school of awareness, is called One Andrews School for Sacred Arts and Training. Exactly. And mm-hmm. it's a school without walls, so you can uh, join the school without going to a campus. Uh, we work uh, online. We work together. Uh, I have written the complete curriculum, so you get packages in the mail as you go along. And uh, I've trained mentors. We have trainings with me a couple of times a year and lots of phone calls so that we can talk back and forth. And uh, we've produced extraordinary healers, people who have changed their lives in such significant, beautiful ways and uh, become hugely successful in life because Mm -hmm. they discover their own dream. Exactly. You know, know, don't don't you find, Dr. Pat, that if you've been abused, you don't know what your dream is. Exactly, exactly. I was just going to say that because, you know, you have a frame of reference 
that doesn't allow for dreaming, right? That's right. I mean, and when you, you've been you abused, you're right? You're living someone else's dream. Well, you're used to having somebody have power over you and That's power right. over another person by the very nature of what it is restricts any idea or notion. And so what you're talking about is so valuable for people to be able to step in and explore this area. And, you know, what I love about this, Lynn, and I love about your work is, you know, I guess many of us can kind of roll along here and discover things, you know, maybe in this lifetime, maybe not. But what you have committed and dedicated your life to is a mastery to help people accelerate that discovery of themselves. And uh, do you see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. It's, it, it is exactly what I do. And uh, it's the core of the teachings. Uh, mm-hmm. Teachings, I don't know, in want of a better word, teachings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are teachings, but they're teachings in a way that comes through experience. So it's a knowingness that you begin to develop. And don't you think that this is really, I mean, my experience for, you know, 2010 has been one of the most amazing years. I can't even describe it in human language because it really has not been guided by, the you know, the human part of me. I'm really clear about that. And, uh-huh. you know, I wanted to ask you about the opening that is available to people that want it and your personal experience on that spiritual path, on that opening, understanding what some people call supernatural experiences. I almost don't like that term because there's such a naturalness in knowing. It's almost, it's, it's almost counterintuitive to say that. But I want to ask you about that because there are so many folks on this planet, young children especially, that are getting a knowing and don't really have a place to feel good about it. Well, I think that's true. And and if they have a knowing, they feel separate and different. Yes, yes. And that's the uh, that's the thing that, that concerns me the most, because mm-hmm. if you have felt separate and different, okay, you came out of childhood, you feel separate and different. Now, now you're an adult. Now, uh, you know, get over this and let me help you do that. Let me show you things that you can do yourself creating a pot, playing a drum, uh, sitting in circle and, and talking with like-minded people who, uh, who have the same issues, in a sense, that you do. And we all want freedom. We all want to have the source of joy living within us and, and happiness and good relationships and abundance. You know, we all want that. And, uh, and being healthy. So, so what do you do? So I have, um, you know, besides writing 19 books about this, I have <laughs> also, and I'm writing a new one. It's It's been a most interesting process. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, people need to be with someone that has walked down the trail before them. Yes. And I yes. really think so. I mean, I flailed around early in my life trying and trying to find the answers to certain abilities that I have. I mean, early on in life, I always could see uh, lights around people, and uh, I could see their pain. I could see where their illnesses were. I didn't know what I was seeing, however. I just could see things. 
and I needed a teacher that could explain to me what was happening. And I learned very early on that if you have abilities like that, people really are not interested, particularly at six and seven years old. So I just gave up trying to communicate about anything in terms of spirituality. Oh. Um, and, of course, I met these extraordinary shaman women and, you know, became a shaman, work with the shaman world, but not. it's more like an urban shaman, you know. It's not the kind of shaman that comes out of uh, uh, a tribe where you are born into a tradition. I was obviously born with abilities from somewhere, and uh, but I don't I don't pretend that that has anything to do with uh, you know I I I had abilities but I didn't know what it meant. So when exactly. I found Agnes and Ruby, they were the ones who helped me to understand what had been happening to me and how much I needed to use that power. And Dr. Pat, I, I'm sure you know this very well, that if you have power and you don't use it, it begins, it's an energy that implodes. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do. And I think the, the listeners also know that. I, I, I mean, uh, this is really, a. Gr- am so glad you brought this up, because at a certain level, globally right now, we have m- millions, maybe billions of people that have this sense of what's going on. This, but this level of imploding that comes from a, a lifetime where silence has become the norm and fear has become the driver. And yeah. how many people in the world, I mean, think about what's happened, Lynn, and you know this, in the workplace where we once were this incredible country where people had a voice and we could be creative. Most people now will not say what's really on their mind because if they do they may lose their job and so isn't it interesting at a time now where we really do need to capture that power we have become really silent at so many levels i don't know is that just my projection oh i don't think so i think what's happening is that we're destroying the entrepreneur the 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 person of a small business who mm-hmm. has an idea and wants to be of service to his or her community and come out with a small business. You can't tax people to death and expect them to run a small business with no profit at all because it just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, if somehow the government can get together with the people, uh, we can begin again as it was early on in this country. We supported the uh, the people, the inventors, the entrepreneurs, the people who, the artists, the craftsmen, who had small businesses, and we supported them, and we uh, helped each other. I think that's what built this country. Built builds a great society. If you are living in a tribal life anywhere in the world, uh, it's the same way. Someone has a service, and you trade corn or hay or beans or something. You are traded, um, the trade beads of our lifetime is money, but what it means is a, a payment for the exchange of energy. Don't you think? 
Absolutely. And that I, I want to ask you about this because uh, it is it is right now an enormous place of opportunity. I remember reading in one of your books, and I don't remember which one, but I never forgot this, where you say fear gives you uh, it can, fear gives you a perfect opportunity to learn. I remember reading this, and I think you say it in different places in in many books. Um, but but it talks about you talk about this idea of having an opportunity to witness. And this is really, I think, tied into so much of, you know, the work that you do and the experiences that you bring people to have is this idea that while we call this thing fear, there is an aspect of it that is so empowering. And I, and I would love for you to talk about that for a little bit. Uh, are you, do you mean actually the fear or mm-hmm. uh, I think fear um, gives you the impetus to do something about the situation that you're in. There you go, yep. You know, it gives you the momentum, the strength, the courage. Uh, you know, I, I'm afraid I'm going to die, so I may as well do this anyway. You know, <laughs> yeah. kind of oftentimes, you know, go to the last resort. Well, I've done everything else. Now I'm going to go do Lynn Andrews, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, but I think... That we are doing that right now. I think it's it's a very important aspect of of energy that's coming at us. I really do think, Doctor Pat, that we're like an hourglass. Uh, I mean, a life situation. Human beings have gone through this hourglass like sands of time. We've gone through the neck of that hourglass, where the pressure is so immense to grow. You know, and we're resisting growth. We res- resist our awareness. We resist becoming more, uh, whatever that is for you. And we resist it. We fight it because it implies change. It implies the unknown. Don't you think? Absolutely. And, you know, the, the question I think that, um, you know, that's coming up for a lot of people, and I've heard this more times than not, is is this all there is now i don't think it comes out that way i think it comes out in the way that you referred to earlier is this uh you know this imploding that goes on which of course can turn into illness and so many other things and so i wanted to ask you is what do you believe the greatest challenges are for individuals right now and what do you believe the greatest opportunities are for them i think we have a huge opportunity to grow (laughs) i think you have to drop the baggage that you've carried all your life. You've just got mm-hmm. to, because if you hang on to it, you're not going to get through a single portal. And so what in the world does this all mean? Oh, yes, you're going through the hourglass, and you've come out on the other side. Uh, it, it looks like chaos. Um, I don't think I finished that statement. But anyway, when you come through the hourglass, you come out on the other end, and it looks like chaos, and that's where we are right now. It looks very chaotic. But out of the chaos, out of a certain kind of destruction, is creativity. Uh, if Michelangelo would take a beautiful piece of um, Carrera marble, and he would co- begin to carve it, and he would find the life form, the heart, within that stone, that incredible, beautiful piece of rock, and he would carve it, and all of a sudden, there was the pieta you know, carved 
magnificently. That stone had held the heart of that, the spirit of that. And he found it and, and gave it to us as a gift. Well, I think that's what's happening now. We're looking at our lives. It's chaotic. It's difficult. Maybe uh, the rug has been pulled out from under you, and you're thinking, my God, what am I going to do? It may mean that you have to learn how to do something different than you've always done, uh, which, of course, makes people furious when you say that because they're already so stressed. They're trying to support a family, trying to keep their home from going into foreclosure, of course. But you know what? Maybe it is an opportunity for change until the economy comes back together. But, uh, you know, we have to find new ways. You know, if a river is flowing in flood uh, down a mountain and it begins to abate, it still finds the little tributaries find their way to the ocean eventually, one way or another. And you're looking for that ocean of consciousness that will save you but you know what when you find the ocean of consciousness you don't just take water you melt into it it's like an iceberg melting into the sea of enlightenment you're the iceberg and you're beginning to melt and it scares you to death because you don't know what to do with yourself and to me uh, that's why i teach that's why I write these books. That's why I give people stories. I'm a storyteller to try and give you some wisdom that you find for yourself. You may need, if you're in a town where they've closed all the steel mills, you're going to have to learn to do something different or move, which, of course, costs money as well, and you don't want to leave your family and so forth and so on. So you've got to find your own sacred truth. You know, really and truly, it doesn't make any difference what you do. It's how you do it. it that really is the key, isn't it, right now? I well, mean, it it really, is. that really is the key. I mean, that is, that's almost, Lynn, what you just said right now is, you know, that, that lesson about how we do things is so critically important. It raises all sorts of issues of fairness and justice and integrity. But yet we have yet to have meaningful conversations about the how of things. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, what has it been about your life that taught you that lesson? Oh, my gosh. I was always <laughs> out of control. I had an abusive father who was brilliant, part of the Nobel family, fabulously educated, handsome, affectionate, darling man who about every three days would go into these rages, and it was horrible. And I was always afraid, and always afraid that I was going to upset my dad, and then they were divorced, my parents, and... Um, um, what was the question you asked me? Well, <laughs> you know, it's, it, well it, what we're talking about is, we're talking about, you know, these experiences in our life that would lead us to, you know, be opening, you know, the challenges that, you know, you personally... Um, uh, you know, learned from in order for you to be on the path that you're on? Uh, I think, uh, I'm, I don't know that I'm really a good example because I knew from the day I was born, I can remember it, um, 
I, I can remember it, uh, that I knew I had a destiny. It was a very, very old soul. And I, and I felt like I'd chosen to come back or something. I didn't know what that meant. But I chose to go to Catholic schools, uh, although I'm not Catholic. Um, I was baptized Presbyterian somewhere in my life. But uh, I, I, I chose to go to Catholic schools because they were quiet, I could take music, and I could pray. There were chapels. And I could go into the chapels and I could pray and, and dream because I'm a dreamer. You know, mm-hmm. I dream and work on stories all the time. And um, so I think schooling, the education, my parents' tremendous difficulty uh, made me a survivor from the get-go. And I certainly am a Puella Eternus, an eternal child. So I have to be very, very careful that I don't sabotage myself, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, it was very hard for me to finish my first book because it implies beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> you have to write the end of this somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Puellas and Puers, the eternal child, they don't want to finish anything. They're great at starting stuff. I know. It's like everything's in progress, isn't it? That's right. It's all in a state of becoming. Exactly. Uh, and but you're absolutely right. You know there is that point that you get to where you realize that in order to take this message out into the world, there has to be a physical form to do that for the masses to get their hands on, or right. opportunities for people to be in circle, or opportunities for people to look in the mirror and discover something they've never discovered before about themselves. And well, you know, I, if you, how did you know that ha- circles and so forth? I'd just like to say this, that when you are working with someone in a spiritual mm-hmm. way, in a way that uh, is profound, uh, not just teaching people how to do sand paintings or whatever, but you're really working on the meaning right. behind this sand painting, uh, it is a gigantic responsibility, huge, uh, to... In other words, if you're teaching a class in the spiritual sense, you have an enormous responsibility to do it correctly, uh, to have learned what the veils of ignorance are that are covering your vision. Uh, and you have to know that. So what I'm saying is that you need to study. You need, I mean, you spent your whole life creating this person with veils, now you have to tear those veils away. And so the first thing somebody would say to me, well, oh, well, ducky, how do I do that? And I say, well, uh, something like my school uh, is something that helps you to begin to see your true self before society and your family started imprinting you in a certain way. And, uh, you know, one of the things you're talking about, Lynn, and this is so, this is so great. Uh, for those of you just tuning in, um, if you don't know already, Lynn Andrews is my very special guest today. And, um, we're talking about many, many things. You know, one of the things that I wanted to talk with you about as well is this conversation about the veil. And you're so right about being in a position when you take on that responsibility of teaching others, especially in a spiritual realm, you know, there is a sense that people have 
that they think that they are so qualified and capable yet have not really taken that journey to really explore and remove the veils one at a time. Is it true, Lynn, that, I mean, this is an ongoing process. It isn't about perfection so much. Isn't it about the discovery layer by layer? And be willing and eager to seek that next veil to remove. That's right. And it's your, that extraordinary curiosity that comes with uh, the excitement and the adventure of the journey. Um, my books are all about that, of course. These extraordinary adventures I go, you know, that happen with me um, in Nepal and Tibet and Crystal Woman in Australia and, and mm-hmm. Jaguar Woman in the Yucatan and on and on. You know, it's their experiences that I lived through. And I, I learned early on that, you know, we are all really the same. Uh, our lives are different. We look different. We're individuals. But we all want very similar things. And we want that freedom from uh, the perpetual uh, stress, the effort. What if you didn't have to make choices in your life? Ask yourself that. What would happen? Maybe, maybe there aren't choices. Maybe it's a process of choicelessness or beingness and allowing things to happen. I mean, I'm a prime mover. I'm a, probably a triple A personality. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I never seem to be able to stop inventing something new. I want to keep, oh, that would be a wonderful thing to teach somebody that has experienced a mother that was abusive. That would be a fabulous mirror for them to see themselves, you know, that kind of thing. And I I get that because, you know, I kind (laughs) of... I kind of have a little bit of that going on myself, Lynn. <laughs> well, yes, my dear. I'm sure, yes, you really do. And, you know, here we are um, still opening, you know, doors and portals for other people. You know, there might be one thing that you say that they've heard 500 times in their lives, but you said it at just the right moment when suddenly it was all open to them and... Uh, you know, the clouds parted and there was brilliant light, you know. So, yes, we certainly are all doing that. It's really kind of interesting, and I, and, and I wanted to ask you uh, uh, about this, is it really is interesting that we have identified a man-made blueprint for how we're supposed to discover life, meaning exactly what you talked about, every Everything that we get confronted with in every, in every day of our lives has to do with what we believe is a decision that we need to make as opposed to thinking about or not even thinking, opposed to knowing that, by the way, that decision's already made. And see, (laughs) right? It's, and I don't know how to explain this any better because it's kind of, you know, it's strange to talk about, right? But you know and I know in that moment when we don't have to make a decision because we already know. That's and right. so the question then comes about trust. 
you know, it seems like, and I had one of my listeners, uh, I think a couple of days ago, ask me about trust and ask me, how can we truly embrace this positive notion that people say that I have? You know, where do I get my level of trust from? Trust in the universe, trust, you know, trust. And I was really taken aback by that question. I really had to contemplate it. I had never thought about it quite like that. And so I wanted to ask you about the relationship between the shaman's journey and the concept that we here on this planet call trust. Well, trust and faith form one of the sky shields that uh, I will be working on at Joshua Tree yes. and teaching people. And, and there, if, if you have faith in in uh sky blue at the top of your shield. Then you have a heart line drawn across the middle of the shield. And then on the bottom part of the shield is red and uh, and trust. You have faith at the top and trust at the bottom. Faith is you know that the sun will come up in the morning. You have absolute perfect faith. If you want something to occur in your life and it isn't happening, then you don't have the faith like you have in the sun rising and setting. You don't have that kind of faith. Now, then you move to trust. Trust is a different thing. Trust is about trusting others, but you can't trust others and certain things that happen in life because you don't trust yourself. You've got to be able to trust yourself first. Mm. So much language is happening right now about trusting oneself and loving oneself. Are they the same thing? Trusting oneself comes from loving oneself. And loving oneself sometimes is a lot of hard work. No kidding. Um, I just recently gave an event in Hawaii, and we were all sitting there, and I was doing the breath of compassion. I was breathing in love and breathing out prayer. And Mm -hmm. then I said, breathe in love and breathe out love of your body. Because in Hawaii, you don't wear as many clothes as you do over here. No. And it's hot. And the room went black. All of the auras kind of suddenly were sucked in. And I thought, my God, most of these people don't like their bodies. They don't honor their bodies. So I changed all the curriculum, and I worked with them the whole time on that. And that has to do with love of self. It's self-worth. What is your self-worth? Well, you know, maybe one of your brothers said, gee, you know, you have a fat ass or your legs are fat, or you have fat ankles, or you're too skinny, uh, or you have no boobs, or on and on. You're too short, too tall. You know, there's always something that we wish were a little bit more perfect, maybe. Okay, And, you know, are we too much or not enough, or whatever. But sit down with a book of anatomy and take a look at what magic occurs with your body every day, all the time, right now. 
You're not telling your heart to beat. You're not telling your digestive system to digest. I mean, look what look what's happening. Your entire body is keeping you alive, isn't it? It is. The life force that we cannot explain, that is part of the unknown, the unknowable. You cannot describe life force. Nobody can. And and yet shamans and great masters of light all over the world understand that life force is part of the creative source. God existence, the godness, the Buddhaness, the uh, great spirit in your life, whatever name you want to attribute to that, the names of God, the sacred names. Um, in words, there is such power. I mean, let's say in the Bible, in the beginning was the word, and the world was created, essentially. And so I would say to your listeners, be very careful the words that you use at oh. this time. Oh. Be careful I... how you say them and know what you're talking about. No. Don't parrot something simply because you heard it somewhere or on TV or on the radio. Make mm-hmm. sure that you've done your homework. You cannot afford to be spiritually and intellectually lazy at this time. It will destroy you. I love what we're talking about. This is a great way to really, um, you know, bring this full circle because, you know, of course, every day of our lives we have an opportunity to demonstrate the power of the word. And what's interesting about what you just brought up, Lynn, is, you know, there are there are words that actually exit our mouths and we actually say them. There are words that form in our minds that I think could be uh, more damaging than some of the words we speak. Our minds seem to operate at such a counterproductive level sometimes. Fear, anxiety, can'ts, shoulds, woulda, couldas. And so aren't we really at a tipping point right now to make sure that we do something different what's going on in there oh absolutely uh, different um i i have uh, mm. um i want to say this about that okay uh, everybody says oh we have to change we have to do and it's <laughs> change it's it's about deepening it's about awareness mm-hmm. it's about gratefulness when you eat, be grateful for that food. You cannot imagine the pain that animals go through to give away, quote-unquote, so that we may live. And we close our eyes to that. Oh, I don't want to know about that. I don't want to see anything about the humane society. Oh, my God. And, and we don't look at it. We don't realize that as we are in the physical, we are in spirit. As we are spiritually, we are in the physical. If there's a war in the world, there's a war inside of you. If you don't help to eradicate the pain that creatures, I I say animals because I work a great deal for the animals and I, I care about them so because I think they are magnificent creatures that are an antenna to the great spirit. And uh, when you talk about trust and faith, you know, animals uh, are unconditional about their love 
for you. Oh, without question. Yeah. And uh, the what's going on because of the huge population in the world is is the most awful slaughter. It's awful. I mean, we've got to do something about this. And, you know, you, I'm only one person. I can only do so much. But maybe there's somebody out there listening who who can pick up this torch a bit and um, and help, you know, help your SDCA, your the uh, you know any of the animal clinics anywhere in the in the country in your little town anywhere you know just help and um, we started uh, helping with people who are doing uh, they have an ambulance that goes around Cairo in Egypt and helps the camels and the donkeys and the horses that get hit by cars and stuff and are injured. Um, they're just, you know, I'm, I'm getting off on this subject, and I don't mean to be. But well, I, I think, think it. I think it. I. I don't think you are getting off. I think what you're bringing us to, and this is a great way to to close the show. What you're bringing us to is uh, a a place of love. And I think when you talk about gratitude, uh, I, I I really do think that we have to take a moment to ask ourselves, what can we do to help the planet? And I don't want to sound like, you know, I just woke up one day and all of a sudden became this do-gooder. That isn't the case. Every day I wake up and I ask spirit, what is mine to do today? Sometimes that means stop doing something. That's right. That's right. There's a thing in shamanism. I don't mean to interrupt you. Yes. uh, Yes. But there's a thing called non-doing. Right. And it's a teaching. It's a teaching of how to gather your energy so that when you use it, you have a tremendous force. And, um, gosh, I wish we could talk for hours and hours. I know. <laughs> I hope you'll come back, Lynn. Work. And, gosh, I appreciate it. And, yes, you know, every time you save a little puppy or a kitty or a horse, people are turning horses out onto the freeways in New Mexico. Oh, I just can hardly stand it. But, you know, if you save one horse, people will say, oh, well, you only saved one. Excuse me? That one saving ricochets around the world with an aspect of joy. And it's more than you can imagine. You have one real uh, something in your life that you're responsible for. And it is your own process of enlightenment, moving towards the higher aspects of your own soul and do the work that's necessary to learn about yourself you know do that learning do the reading come to the school go to events help the animals you know be of service to the people around you and um and so i'm on a soapbox now well i mean and this (laughs) is really a great place to really invite people to Become open to the discovery. Uh, Lynn, Lynn's website, as many of you have gotten in our newsletter as we have announced this show, I, I want to make sure you know to go to lynnandrews.com because uh, the event that we talked about, uh, you know, you can go to the website, you can register now, uh, and there are so many opportunities for all of us to participate and, and really stand on the shoulders of those that have come before. But you're inviting us to discovery. And isn't it interesting, Lynn, that we opened up the show talking about sort of a hunger that people have for this. And here you are 
who, someone who has been given people an opportunity to take this journey with you. So we don't have to do this alone, do we? No, we don't. And I, I so welcome you uh, to my website, to the school that enrolls January and February. To I have a writing school for writers, and and especially uh, you know the event at the end of May. If you've never done anything with me, it'll give you a wonderful taste of of what you can really, but what we can accomplish together. And, and uh, I wish so much joy and happiness over the holidays to everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, make this new year one that really counts. I'm with you on that, boy. I'll tell you, we've got a lot planned for 2011. And I hope, Lynn, that, you know, you will uh, come back. I would love to bring you back in January and uh, kick the new year off uh, in a fabulous way. I would love that. And I'm available to you. You just call me. I will. Lynn Andrews, everyone. Go to the website, lynnandrews.com. Make sure you take a look at the books. And if you have not read any of her books, uh, this is something that you're going to want to do to usher in a fabulous, fabulous new year. Lynn, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for all that you do and all that you are. Oh, darling, thank you. And so much love to you, Dr. Pat. And I want to thank all the listeners for doing what they do so well, for tuning us in and turning us on and telling your friends and paying it forward. Today there was a lot that Lynn talked about. And if there is just one thing you've heard that has shed some light on some dark place in your life, share it with another person. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Pat Show.